I'm Amelia. And I'm Sophie. And welcome to So Ma, So Good, a Fruits Basket reboot podcast. Here we talk about the second season of the Fruits Basket reboot. We try and keep it spoiler-free, but sometimes we slip up, so if you're avoiding spoilers, please check the episode description for timestamps, as well as for content warnings. Uh, We're probably going to do a spoiler corner this episode, so that'll also be down in the description. Cool, cool, cool. Let's... Let's get into this, into this episode, which was a time and a half. It sure was. Yeah, a lot <laughs> happened. Yeah. Um, I don't actually remember what chapters of the manga contain what information. You're the one who keeps that knowledge in your brain. Um, but it they sure put a lot into this here episode. There was both um, Machi time and uh the fuck new years so Mm -hmm. yeah i actually didn't think that they were when i was like trying to figure out how they were going to structure the season i thought that new years was going to be in the last episode um but it's not so that's interesting yeah sorry to kyo whose chapter is getting shafted (laughs) season three opener it's okay buddy yeah (laughs) I'm sure we'll get. I I mean, this has kind of been Yuki Yuki season pretty much. Right. Kyo has like been around, but has has Kyo had like had a Kyo episode really? This well, season? there was episode ten in the lake house. Or, oh my god, the beach house. <laughs> There's episode ten in beach house when he has that conversation with Akito, and it's like the whole episode. Um, yeah. And then he has the conversation with Kagura, like when they get back. Yeah. Um, but other than that, like, most of the episodes have been centered around Yuki. Yep. But he yeah. had all of season one, so he could deal with it. Um, but this episode, the first half anyway, is about Machi. It's about Machi. Machi yeah. time. It is Machi She's time. She's barely had any lines all season, which is, like, makes sense. I don't think that's, that's not, like, a criticism. That's just, like, how it is. Um, yeah. Yeah. But now we're finally getting getting a little glimpse into that old noggin of hers, and it's sad. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's about having depression. <laughs> yeah. Severe depression. <laughs> severe depression as a result of trauma. Um, Just like everyone else in Fruits Basket. Yeah, literally. It's like, what caused this character's issues is it um a family history of mental illness or like the cycle of abuse probably it's both actually the answer is yes (laughs) (laughs) i always think of uh fruits basket when i see that um tumblr post that's like i come from a mental illness dynasty (laughs) (laughs) but this is fun i like machi as a character she's not like one of the biggest characters in fruits basket or one that i think about like a ton when i'm just like ruminating on fruits basket but i do like her and i think she's well written uh yeah me too i agree i think she's like she's like what she's interesting when you compare her to the rest of the cast because like 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 we said like she's really depressed just like everyone else but I feel like the Somas are all pretty emotionally volatile, and even Toru can be pretty emotionally volatile. And Machi Toru is cries not. at like the drop of anything. <laughs> right. 
Toru bursts into tears once an episode. <laughs> Sorry. So- <laughs> <laughs> but she's very much like the opposite of that. Like, there's like, you know, you can present your depression in that you are very emotionally unstable or you just are completely numb. Uh, and you feel like you're not feeling anything. And that's what Machi is like. And so she's, like, interesting to have in this cast of characters who are all, like, extremely eccentric and, like, have breakdowns all the time and, like, you know, what have you. Yeah. For sure. So fun. Yeah. I mean, not exactly fun, but um, <laughs> diversity of being fucked up. Uh for the, for the, yeah. uh, I'm sure there's no one, maybe one person who watched Evangelion, but she reminds me a lot of Rei Ayanami. They see they're very similar. That's, that's my, my Evangelion parallel from the episode. I will watch Ava someday. Please someday. do. Someday. It's theory. so good. Um, it's on Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so let's talk about the episode. Um, yeah, let's do it. I was saying that she, like, she has, like, so this is about the cold open, uh, which is, mm-hmm. I like that we got, like, her perspective of that moment, um, and that she just has, like, such low self-worth, and she, like, lives in her head so much that the moment someone asks her for her opinion, she just starts disassociating. Because <laughs> she does. Yeah. She's like, I don't even remember, like, what he asked me or, like, what my name is. <laughs> yeah. I just, like, I mean... It's also, like, very much, there was, like, several moments this episode. She's, like, a pretty clear parallel to Yuki, right? Um, Right. But uh, it just, like, it reminded me of how Yuki's mom is, like, you have no opinions. And she, I feel like, has had, like, she's been treated the same way by her mother, where it's, like, she doesn't. She's never been allowed to have opinions of her own, and so at some point she just, like, stopped bothering to form them, and now that, like, literally the first person ever is like, hey, what's your favorite color? She's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So it's fun. Yeah, it's very fun. (laughs) Tamachi. Very fun. She's so sad that she doesn't even have a favorite color. Um... (laughs) Spoiler, it's red. I mean, spoiler, if you haven't seen... It would be wild to listen to these episodes of the podcast before you watch the actual episode. You'd be like, what the fuck are they talking about? Um, <laughs> yeah. right, I said cold open was short, and then, yeah, we jump into the thing. Yeah. Um, I love that, like, Yuki consistently reaches out to Machi. This is about, like, they're planning on going to the part, or they're going to a restaurant, and he's like, pretty aggressively trying to get her to go maybe aggressive isn't the right word but he's like insisting that she come with them um and i think like i may have said this before but like i think he like can tell that machi and him are alike and he can tell that like she has really bad social anxiety um but at this point like he knows that making connections with others helped him overcome like a lot of his problems but he also knows that, like, making that first step is hard. And so, like, I think, like, he's looking at her and seeing that, like, she's just, like, she's so, like, stuck in her ways because it's just the way that, and with him, too, it's just the way they've always done things. Um, that, yeah, he just wants to, like, help her and, like, wants to, like he said, like, see the world the way she sees it. Um, and, yeah, I think it's nice. Like, they definitely have, like, a camaraderie. Yeah. For sure. I, I 
agree with everything you said. I definitely think, like, I think from the beginning he's, like, been able to, like, see a lot of himself in her, especially, like, it's just, like, though I, it makes me think back to, like, fucking early season one where he was, like, too anxious to go play cards with everyone else, and he just, like, even though he wanted to, he just, like, couldn't make himself do it. Um, mm. And I think he sees Machi doing the same thing and is, like, if I can just, like, aggressively make her feel welcome and tell her that, like, make sure that she knows she's, her presence is wanted here, then, like, hopefully I can kind of help her break out of her shell a little bit and, like, get to a better place. Because I know, yeah, like, Toru reaching out to him and, like, consistently making him feel, making his presence feel appreciated is what helped him finally, like, learn that he's not, like, a nuisance to be around. Um, so it's really sweet. It's like, it's both sweet just to like see this like simple thing. He's he's kind, which is like brought up continuously. And I think hopefully he's slowly starting to accept his true fucking dumbass. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I also, I thought this is like on a totally different note, um, but in the same scene where... Kimmy was like doing her weird like cutesy voice and she was like <laughs> oh like what if someone took me to this restaurant and Kakadu was like stop with the shy act we literally all know you are not fucking shy <laughs> I love their di- Kimmy and Kakadu are so funny they're so funny but I also that she like like Yuki's like Machi, do you want to come? And Kimmy's like, no, Machi doesn't want to come, and neither does Kakiru. Or now, let's just go, Yun Yun. <laughs> Yuki's like, no. <laughs> and, and, and then Yuki is just like, wouldn't that be a date? <laughs> like, like, oh, what do you mean? No, of course not. <laughs> yeah, they're funny. Yuki has friends now, and they joke around. They fuck with each other. It's good. They're so love- good. I was about to ask if now actually goes to the restaurant, but I think he I think he does. He I does. Forgot. Yeah. He does. Car cat. Um. <laughs> I like like they're having this like kind of intense conversation by them, I mean Yuki and Machi are having a like kind of intense conversation by the door. And then Kakuru comes out of fucking nowhere, screaming at Yuki, calling him out for being a prosy little freak he is and talking like a weirdo. <laughs> Even though, even though what he said was him repeating something Kakiru had said to him. Uh, he's so, they're so funny. It's like, oh, I think, what were my notes on this? I, oh, yeah, I, I guess I didn't take notes on it, but it was, it was so funny to just like, Kakiru has no fucking social graces. He's going to scream. No. He wants to scream. He's so like, funny. bitch, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> uh, like, it is kind of a, like, it's, I feel like in some ways it's a little, like, uh, it might be Takaya poking a little fun at herself at, like, yeah. how dramatic all of the characters are all the time and, like, the random inspirational speeches and meaningful quotes they say to each other in casual conversation and Kakadu was just like, what are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> no, I like it. It's self-aware. Because, uh, yeah, yeah, like, if honestly, if someone talked in real life the way that Yuki talked, I'd be like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Sir? Hello? Young man? 
Um, yeah. Also, I fucking love, okay, so, like, after they leave the classroom and they're, like, outside, one of my favorite fucking Yuki and Kakeru moments yes. is Yuki just, like, just genuinely just, like, laughing, like, so, like, unselfconsciously laughing in front of Kakeru, and then they just start, like, choking each other out. <laughs> I think my my note on this was, ha ha goes for the neck. Literally. <laughs> he just, he just, like, laughs and then just, like, fucking strangles like they just like immediately try to choke each other and then also like machi framed under their arms <laughs> just like them. looking at each other dead at them like trying to choke each other dead-eyed is just so funny oh, oh it's so good also i wanted to mention this is a very small thing but i remember being like i hope they don't cut this and they didn't um yuki checks that where they're going isn't too crowded um and I like, like, it's a really small detail, but I like that they show, like, how much the curse affects their daily, like, mundane lives and how considerate they have to be of it that he has to be like, hey, are we going to a really crowded area? Um, yeah. I don't know. It's just, like, a small detail, like, because they don't, like, bring up, like, at this point in the story, the whole animal thing, no one really brings it up that much anymore. But yeah. it is still part of their lives, you know? It's just not, like, you know, Toru's not hugging everyone she meets or whatever, because it's not season one. Um... But yeah, I liked that they kept that in. Yeah, it was fun. And it also makes sense why, like, Kakeru is making fun of Yuki for, like, never wanting to go anywhere crowded. And he's like, someday I'm going to take you to a shopping district at night. And Yuki's just, like, trying to strangle him. <laughs> I know, truly not. Kakeru asking him on a shopping and croquette da- date as they uh, walk croquette. off into the sunset. <laughs> Sorry, is it pronounced croquette? I think it's croquet. Or- Did I mispronounce it? Wait. Croquet. They're croquets, yeah. It's croquet. Okay, that's what I thought. I was like, Crockett? No, no, <laughs> I'm asking, is it croquet? I have no idea. Oh, I've always <laughs> said croquet. Let's, I mean, we can, we can Google how to, <laughs> for a second I thought you were talking about the game and I was like, what the fuck? Um, that would be very Gansy-like of them to do. However you pronounce that word, they're fucking bomb, by the way. They are so good. Um, they're croquettes. I guess I'm wrong. Uh. Oh my god. <laughs> um, anyway, as I was saying, um, y- Kakiru asking, asking Yuki on a shopping district and croquette date as they walk off into the sunset together with his arm slung over his shoulder. Romance. Sir, you're gay. <laughs> it was such a romantic ass shot i was screaming like the soft warm lighting and like the physical affection i was like what what am i what am i looking at what am i seeing it's like it's like they're queer baiting me on purpose it's which i don't take very kindly to by the way yeah i don't I it's I don't know I don't think it's enough for me to think that it's like deliberate queer baiting, um, especially because I don't think Dakaya knows that gay people are real, um, and uh, but it was it was something. Well, I don't think it was de- I don't think it's deliberate queer queer baiting on Takaya's end. I think it's deliberate queer baiting on the anime team's end. Maybe a little. 
Yeah, so I was saying that um, I don't think that it's deliberate queerbaiting on Takaya's end. Like, I think, like, it's gay subtext that she didn't actually mean to, um, like, include. Like, it was an accident. But I think that the anime team is deliberately queerbaiting. Hmm. Maybe. Because I think that they know that people ship them and they, and that they can read the gay subtext. I feel like it's I just, kind like, of, like, don't... a rare pair. Like, I don't know if, like... Like, I don't know if, like, the, like, contingent of, like, whatever, I, uh, I have no idea what the Japanese fandom is like, um, Mm -hmm. and whether or not it's a popular pairing there, but, uh, I don't know, I don't know if it's, like, got enough market value, especially because it's, like, really late in the game, uh, and not usually one of the major draws of the show, I think Mm -hmm. they might just, like, love glowy orange shots and like i i don't know if it's necessarily deliberate queer baiting it's not quite enough yet for me to like re think it's like deliberate queer baiting okay i just disagree with you because that the shot of them walking out into the sunset was one of the preview images Hmm. but not anything with machi (laughs) so (laughs) i guess we'll never know um we'll never know Anyway, so then we go to Machi's apartment. Yeah. Um, rough. I really like the design inside. I thought it looked really good. So many bags of trash. I know. <laughs> Machi, like, Machi and Yuki should not live together. No. <laughs> they will live in filth. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's well done. It's definitely like, yep, this is what an extremely depressed person's room looks like. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that, like, like they're both, like, like, Yuki is a mess. Um, but, like, Yuki's just messy. Machi is dirty. <laughs> like, it's yeah. just slightly different, you know? It does help that Yuki has, like, uh, you know, someone who cleans up after him, but still. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Yuki would have been kind of stinky before Toru moved in. Stinky? Yeah. <laughs> like, he never washes his fucking laundry. And you know um, he doesn't wash his hands after he uses the bathroom. Because men are gross. Um, yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, like, I liked the detail of Machi just, like, falling asleep in her clothes and then getting up and wearing that again. Yeah. It's very she depression sleep. chic. Yeah. I've done uh, that. There was, there, you know, there's been finals weeks that have been rough. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, so Yuki and Machi parallels. Um, the broken glass obscuring Machi's eyes as her mother tells her that she's so dull and that's why no one wants to talk to her. Mm-hmm. It's very Yuki. There's a lot of broken glass motifs with Yuki. Um, but yeah, it definitely, like, is indicative of that they, like, both had, like, upbringings that they were expected to be really high performers and to, like, confine themselves to a certain role in the- it- it confine themselves to a certain role for the sake of the family. Um... And then they were just consistently, like, talked over, belittled, dehumanized, um, and they both reacted by becoming more and more reserved. Um, so, like, there's the visual parallel, and then there's the parallel of, um, you know, Machi's conversation with her mom. And then I also think it's interesting that, you know, they bring up, Machi's mom brings up that Machi is giving her, like, the silent treatment, um, which... It's not something they ever talk about other than the one episode they bring it up, but Yuki was selectively mute. 
Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. I think you basically brought up most of the things I had to say about that. Like, it, it just, like, it reminds me of, like, Yuki's mom just, like, talking over him and then, like, never letting him talk but then criticizing him for the fact that he, like, never spoke. Um, and, like, it's like, oh, you never, like, you don't express any of your feelings or whatever, but, like, does she ever give him an opportunity to or respect it when he expresses those feelings? No. And I think it's, like, the same situation with Machi. Very similar yeah. sort of treatments and after effects. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I think, like, and then we get, like, Machi. I think that then, like, we transfer from this, like, moment where it's, like, you can really clearly see how similar Yuki and Machi are. And you had earlier in the episode where you can tell that Yuki can, like, see himself in Machi. And you've seen that in previous episodes, too. And then you get this moment of Machi being able to see herself in Yuki with this flashback where she's, like, sees everyone talking to him and having a certain perception of him. But she's like, that guy seems fucking miserable. Um, And, like, I think they can, like, they can read each other very well despite not necessarily being particularly close at this point. Um, Just because they are so similar, I think they can recognize themselves in each other even without, like, spending a ton of time together. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then Machi is like, and I'm still fucking miserable, but this guy seems to be having a great time, apparently. (laughs) Like this, it's like this cut, like, oh, he laughs so genuinely now, or he laughs from like the bottom of his, I forget the exact quote, but yeah, he laughs like genuinely and he seems to like be genuinely in a much better place. And the shot they choose to illustrate that was Yuki like smiling and laughing with Kakaru and I'm like. With the shoujo bubbles, him and With Kakiru. the shoujo bubbles. Always the shoujo bubbles with them. Well, I was saying it's interesting that she noted how much he's changed right at the very moment in her character arc where she starts to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Parallel. It's about Maybe. the Yuchi parallels. Yeah. It's like she's... It's like Yuki started his journey in picking himself up off the ground like a year ago and she's i think kind of she's starting that now mm-hmm. she's also a year younger that's true that's true so. and you know she's not she she didn't have a toru last year right and now she has a toru aka fucking yuki um and honestly her situation is like like Yuki's situation greatly improved when he moved in with Shigure, but yeah, uh, well, I don't want to spoil anything, but but Machi living by herself is not a good situation. No, I mean, of course it's I. This is not a spoiler because being I, she's fifteen, right? Yeah, something like that. Fifteen. She's like a sophomore in high school. Yeah, fifteen-year-olds should not be responsible for like taking care of themselves fully at that age. Like, I mean, I was yeah. a pretty independent fifteen-year-old, but like. I still needed to be living with my parents. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah. you're a kid. You're a kid. Uh, like, I think, she... like, like it's partially, like, I mean, she's a mess because she's very depressed, but also, she's a 10th grader. <laughs> like, you <yeah>. know, <laughs> I wouldn't have cleaned my room in 10th grade if my mom hadn't told me to. <laughs> it was, yeah. Like, being responsible for, like, making sure I am fed my house is in order, uh, and I'm trying to keep up with, like, a rigorous fucking course schedule and, like, whatever. She's, I, I imagine she's in student council. I mean, Yuki being in student council was, like, him kind of rebelling, 
and like trying to push his comfort zone but i think i don't know if machi's motivations are at all the same like Mm -hmm. i think it might more be a manifestation of her like you know trying to beef up her college resume like yeah uh, it could also just be her like going with the flow because you know I believe the way student council works is that they're the top students in their class, and I also think there's a voting process. So if she was the top student in her class, which we know she has excellent grades, um, and then she got voted in, then she, and Kakaru was in it, then yeah. she kind of might have just been like, sure. Yeah. Or still subconsciously trying to like reach that standard that her parents set for her. Yeah, like, I don't regardless of exactly why she's doing it i don't think it's like the same thing where yuki is like i need to challenge myself and like she i think is it's not like her trying to grow and push herself yeah no just like doing what she's doing um yeah yeah um i really really liked the monologue that she has as she's like on the train Um, Also, I wanted to say, like, because we haven't really heard her speak yet, her voice actor is awesome. I'm really excited to hear her talk more because I thought that, like, she did a really, really good job with all of the lines. She fits the character really well. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I was saying, what was I saying? That, like, Machi, like, again, Yuki and Machi parallels. This is about what she's saying on the train. Um, That they both question whether or not their existence is necessary. But Machi hasn't had an experience yet where she's felt like she's made a difference in someone's life, whereas Yuki has had a couple. Um, So I think, yeah. Yeah. She hasn't, you know, she hasn't found her gardening or her um, clothes shop, uh, you know? Like, (laughs) I think, like, you see in Fruits Basket both, like, people finding meaning in their lives through, like, their relationship with others and, like, helping other, like forming meaningful friendships and relationships and also like reaching out and helping people being like a meaningful way you can like feel like your existence makes a difference but then also a lot of them will like take on hobbies that are also a way that they can like kind of prove their existence and prove their ability to like make an impact on the world uh and she so far has none of that she doesn't like do anything to like uh make her mark on the world and yeah she doesn't like have any her closest relationship is with kakaru which is fraught which is like loaded yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) and he seems to like care about her and look out for her but yeah it's just i mean we know at this point that they were raised basically as like uh rivals from birth um kind of similar to how yuki and kyo were like pitted against each other from the start so even though it seems like both of them have buried the hatchet way more so than like yuki and kyo have at this point i mean yuki's like yuki's like can we bury the hatchet and kyo was like i will not. no <laughs> <laughs> no i want to use it and yuki's like come on kyo let's put it in the ground this is not a useful hatchet it's like fucking broken, dude. She was like, I like this broken hatchet. I need it. <laughs> Kakaru is just more cash than Kyo. Yeah. Wow, actually, I can't believe I never thought. I mean, I had said that Kakaru was a Kyo parallel and that Mashi was a Yuki parallel, but then I didn't make a connection after that until now. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like how Yuki and Kyo kind of have. Are, sh- are shockingly not a popular ship, despite having a lot of potential. Um, and uh 
how Kakaru is kind of similar to Kyo, but without the baggage. Mm-hmm. Right. And, yeah, which is why they can um, constantly hit on each other. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but I do think, yeah, Yuki and, or not Yuki and Machi, but Machi and Kakaru are, I think, have certain parallels to that, but have a more functional relationship, but it's not perfect. Like, they're still teenagers who are still kind of dealing with the aftershocks of their upbringing. Right. I think it's cute how charmed Machi is by Yuki here. Because he's just being, like, really genuine. Yeah. Um, I didn't like the, like, I, in my notes I called it the Ghibli hair. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a little cheesy, but I like that the focus is on her and not him. And, yeah, I think it's cute. Yeah. She has a little crush on Yuki. It's very cute. I thought that moment was, like, cute. It's, like, I think it's a very, very cute moment in the manga and something I remember. And it's also, like, I remember the shot of Yuki being very charming and, like, I like how it, like, I thought it's, like, I, like, I I kind of disagree. I don't exactly disagree with, like, uh, you liking that the focus is on Machi instead of Yuki. But I think that Yuki being, like, genuinely charming in this instance, but not, like, it's, it's, it's not princely. It's just, like, he's genuinely happy to see her and is glad she came, uh is, like, important for him, and the fact that he's able to, like, casually express these genuine happy emotions is, like, a testament, uh, and something that I always, that I remember is, like, this moment is, like, wow, look at Yuki, look at him go, but then, yeah, Machi is, like, what the fuck is happening, why is, like, lonely prince man, like, so happy, what's going on, uh, I think, I, I do like that Machi's, like, little crush thing on him is, like, both like her being i think i like the way that her being flustered manifests and it's very different than like like toru is flustered constantly um but she's like very traditionally like turns bright red and stammers machi like she just is like i'm gonna fight i'm gonna fight (laughs) you (laughs) yeah like she's like flustered and is immediately like what the fuck what the fuck no ah, mm, 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 i don't like the Yuki Machi struggle struggle panel is one of my favorite panels in the manga. It's so, so freaking funny. cute. It was very I cute uh, animated. I think it's the cutest like Yuchi moment in the episode. It's just like yeah. this whole little interaction where like Machi is immediately like put like made uncomfortable. Not in a bad way, but like this does make her uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um where she's like, Why is this guy happy? <laughs> and then like spills her shit on the ground Um, (laughs) which is just like embarrassing for her because she's got bad depression and has like weird shit in her bag (laughs) and yuki yuki isn't being judgmental but he's like why do you have this and she's like don't look at me Um, (laughs) look away you do not see this choose not to see if only she Um, knew how much of a mess yuki was exactly girl um (laughs) it's like he's not judging you he's genuinely just like huh Uh, why do you have a bottle opener (laughs) like yuki's like this is fun (laughs) machi's like i'm gonna die Uh, (laughs) they're really experiencing such distinctly different emotions like yuki's like just like he's like having a good day he's vibing he's like going on a fun little like restaurant date with his friends like managed to get the shy girl to like actually come out and come along and she's just like i'm in hell i'm in hell, I'm in hell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. But I think they're also like, like they're both like very charmed by each other. Like I think Yuki is a little charmed. I mean, he's charmed that she like made the bookmark. Yeah. And then, Um, yeah, the bookmark is so funny where she's like, he's like, oh, you actually like made this bookmark. Thank you. That's so sweet of you. And she's like, I didn't. I didn't. (laughs) It's nothing to do with you. (laughs) (laughs) What? It could be that I really liked that it's like yeah. she's first like denies it and then is mad that he immediately believes her. So she's like, I mean, it could be. Like, what does that <laughs> fucking mean? So cute. And then they start. I like they're like they're just like the fighting was really good. I found that yeah. very charming. Very charming to watch them and Cockadoo come over and be like, what are what's happened? <laughs> <laughs> what here has happened on this day? My very next note is Kakiru constantly invading Yuki's space. It's about them, like, being in the restaurant. Yeah. Just. I wonder, (sighs) this is so random. Do you think the places they go are real? The sign looked really real. I have, I have no idea. I'm gonna go find that Mediterranean restaurant. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's cute. Uh, It's like... The only character that be touching Yuki. Yeah, for real. (laughs) And he just lets him. You know he likes it. I mean, you know he likes it because he does it back. Yeah. Um, They're cute. I love them. Uh, I know, they're adorable. Boyfriends. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Someone on Twitter, before we move on to the second half, um, someone on Twitter pointed out, I think this is a little cheesy, but it's also kind of cute, that they're all wearing their colors. Uh, They're like a sign student council colors. That is cute. Yeah. Um, it's like I'm just. It's nice that Yuki has friends that he can do normal teen things. Yeah, with now. it's so uh, good. It's just like such big growth from the beginning where he had no friends. Yeah, he's got two whole groups of friends. Yeah, like Yuki has a lot of friends right now. Like he's got like Toru and her friends and like the gaggle of somas that go to their school are like one of his friend groups and then he's got his student council friend group like yuki has like probably is probably the character with the most friends at this point uh, yes king which uh king of having like look you have more friends than kyo now yuki you're winning (laughs) (laughs) kyo just has their normal squad and then those two random guys <laughs> My favorite characters. So good. Uh we love those two random unnamed guys that I think are also friends with Uo. I like to think that. Yeah. They are because they, they, they were vibing they, together during the play. They do have names. I don't remember them. Oh well. Yeah. Um Yeah, so next we go to Taru and Kazuma out politing each other for ten yeah. minutes straight while Kyo just says to sit there and watch. <laughs> He's like, these are the two most important people to me in the world, and they are just like this, huh? <laughs> oh, they—they they are so very cute. sweet. Yeah. Um, Kazuma has a heart of gold, and so does Toru, that's true. and that's why yeah. they're like this. Um, and they're both, <laughs> yeah. And then it, and then it immediately devolves into Toru and Kyo fucking with each other, which is really yeah. funny. <laughs> I was. That moment is so cute, the the scarf thing you're talking about. No, no, no. I was talking about the Kyo being like, it's like you're trying to marry my dad. And then oh, yeah. And like, like, well, isn't Hana trying to marry your dad? <laughs> you know, she's fucking with him. So cute. 
And then <laughs> Kyo grabba her face. Squish. <laughs> Squish. The the Kyoru love language. Squish. Yeah. They they be squishing each other. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> Kyo was like, I don't know how to deal with feelings, so I'm just gonna touch Toru's head about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, Kyo and Toru flirting in the kitchen. There's that, like a little mini flashback. The I um, love the scarf thing. I do remember the so scarf cute. with the pom poms where she comes in and she's like, I got a scarf. And he's like, You're gonna hit people with that. And she's like, I will. <laughs> she uh, immediately attacks him. <laughs> they're so cute. And they're just flirting right in front of Yuki and Sugar and they're just like, Yuki and Sugar are just like right in front of our salad. It's <laughs> <laughs> like chilling, trying to watch TV together. <laughs> Um, and then, and of then... course, they attack Kyo. It's <laughs> <laughs> like retribution. It's so funny. It's just like it works on him every time. I like it's like really funny every time Yuki and Shigure tag Team Kyo to start calling him a pervert and stuff. It it just hits every yeah. time. It's just hol- fucking hilarious. I did say that like I'm like you know what Kyo is showing a lot of restraint because like, all he does is he's like guys and then he like crushes the milk carton but like you know like there was once upon a time where he would have thrown hands about this like furniture would have been broken <laughs> it's about the character development yeah <laughs> um and then Toru rushing Rin and smacking her, her whole face <laughs> out a window she's so good Toru being a consistent klutz is like a cute it's it's a fun little accurate personality trait like she was only partially her that's actually um that's another small thing is that rin just like instinctually moves out of the way (laughs) because she's trying to avoid getting hugged um which is another like interesting like small thing where you know they just like instinctually move in that way yeah um but then toru paid the price she did by smacking her face she just wanted to hug her geo it was so funny that rin and kyo say the same exact damn (laughs) Literally, it's like Rin's like, you shouldn't just rush into things, not like th- considering the consequences of your actions. And then she storms out. And then Kyo is like, Toru, you really shouldn't just rush into rooms and not consider the consequences of your actions. Toru has two hands, one for her BF and one for her GF. Exactly. <laughs> Once again, Kyo must share. <laughs> Also, can we talk about, um, I'm so glad they included this, Kyo and Rin having stare-offs <laughs> that, with each other as children. That's what talking about, that, like, uh, so, so funny. Just, I, yeah, it's a really a cute shot of baby, baby Kyo and Rin just, like, fierce, um, and then I thought it was, like, a cute detail about, like, their, because we don't necessarily know what everyone's relationship is to everyone despite knowing that they must like have known each other since they were little like mm-hmm. do we know what ritsu and kyo think of each other not really right um, but this is just like a fun little detail that i think characterizes a lot of their relationship quickly which is like kazuma being the one of the only good adults mm-hmm. available as a resource it's a yeah. very scarce resource in the soma clan a good yeah. adult um so they are forced to share uh yeah and kyo being like stop stealing my dad stop stealing my dad stop stealing my dad (laughs) (laughs) really cute it is cute 
Yeah. I love Cosmo. Um, I know, he's such a king. Also, I thought Cosmo's line was really funny, where he, true, where he's like, (laughs) he's like, it's not that they are on bad terms, it's just that they're not on good terms. And Toru's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Kyo's like, I mean, he's not wrong. Yeah. (laughs) Toru's like, babe, please elaborate. That was vague as fuck. Um, okay, and then we go to the banquet, um, where I made Amelia rewatch this scene right before we started talking, (laughs) because Hattori taking off his jacket and saying, with the massive echo effect on it, I had to pause the episode because I was laughing so fucking hard. Why did they do that? Then last night I was just sitting on my bed thinking about it by myself, laughing. Because it's so fucking funny and ridiculous. Why? 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 Was it supposed to be fan service? Because it was, like, so weird. Oh, man. Choices were made, and I just gotta ask why. (laughs) Yeah. I I really do gotta ask why that choice specifically (laughs) was made. Um, I think it's cute that uh, Ayami and Ritsu are buddies. Oh, my God, I know. It's so cute. It, it makes sweet. a lot of sense. Yeah, of course. It, I mean, I am one of the only ones who isn't a homophobe. Oh, <laughs> uh, I did. I think one of my notes uh, about this interaction was Hattori homophobe moments compilation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make a Soma family homophobe everyone's interaction with Ritsu, except for Ayame. <laughs> yeah. And Toru. Or she's not a Soma, never mind. Um, yeah, there we go. <laughs> oh my and god. who is not a homophobe out of the Somas? It's like Ayame, Momiji. Ayame, Ritsu. Oh right, Momiji. Hattori. Or not Hattori, ha- Hatsuharu. Hattori is a Oh homophobe. right, of course, Haru. Yeah. Um, Haru's a king, an accepting king. Uh, Kagura, I guess. She gives Ritsu the dress. That's true. That's good. <laughs> Ally. Ally. <laughs> uh, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Um, Yuki is a gay homophobe. <laughs> yeah, he's a homophobic homosexual. Yeah. Um, Yuki's homophobic turns his face. <laughs> <sighs> Yuki, please, King, do some self-reflection. <laughs> Um, oh, I like that we have, like, a little foot-and-mouth moment with Sugar because I feel like it really doesn't happen very often, because he's usually very careful about his words, but clearly what he said did not get across, or he shouldn't have said it, because I don't think Hatsuri knows that he, like, was the one who, like, hooked them up this time. I'm talking about Mayako. Um, but it's funny that Hatsuri is like, did you guys get back together? Why are you talking <laughs> about Mayako? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> funny. Shigure yeah. is, like, a little stupid this episode because he's angry. Yeah, no, he's just salty. <laughs> like, he's just, like, in a bad mood. And he's just, like, kind of, like, a little impulsive. Uh, yeah. I think. I um, agree. I think that's accurate. Yeah. I think it's funny that he's, like, extra, like, peppy. Uh, mm. Yeah. And that's how you can tell that he's pissed. <laughs> yeah. Because whenever he's pissed, he's like, great, this is awesome (laughs) i'm having a good time (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. I love him. He's so good. Um, I also like that he, like, draped himself over Hattori, which so is, cute. like, yeah. And also, it was, like, it, it, it was, like, Akito reminiscent of, like, body language, I feel like. Oh, yeah. Very much. Where it's very drapey. Just a big piece of fabric. Um. <laughs> it's about yeah. being the kimono. I also, I liked that Ayame was, like, holding counsel over all the younger cousins. Like, he was just standing there, like, lecturing, and everyone else was, like, happily standing around Ayame. I'm glad Ayame is, like, the cool gay cousin that everyone likes to listen blather on. He totally is. Like, yeah, no, I, I, I like, paused to look at that shot for, like, a while, because they were all being really cute. And then Kareno is in the fucking corner by himself. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, like, does he have to be in the corner? Was he <laughs> regaled to the corner? Or does he just choose to be in the corner? <laughs> yeah. Kareno's Maybe he's just really awkward. Corner, and then Yuki and Akito are, like, off. Chillin'. Chillin', and then it's, like, Ayame, Ayame holding counsel over... <laughs> The little cousins. Everyone else. <laughs> yeah. And Hatsuri and Shigure fucking around outside. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I wanted to talk about this scene because this scene is one of my favorite scenes in the manga, and I did not love the way that they adapted it. <laughs> I didn't like, and this is an issue I have a lot, uh, but that they started the music pretty much the second Akito starts talking. Um, except we don't know what their conversation's gonna be about, and Akito doesn't really say anything that weird in the beginning. Um, so I didn't like that they, like, immediately are like, here's dramatic music, because this is going to be a dramatic, intense conversation. But it's like, but they haven't even said anything yet, so can I please mm-hmm. make a decision for myself? Don't like that. <laughs> Did you have anything to say about that, or can No, I, I agree. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Okay. So, Yuki says, and I I did like the way that they, like, adapted, like, Akito's reactions to, like, every sentence that comes out of Yuki's mouth. Yeah. Um, so he says, I forgive you too, Akito. Which is his first mistake, because Akito, nothing is ever Akito's fault. So Mm -hmm. he's implying that Akito holds blame for something, and that's no good. And then he says... I'm sick of blaming others. So it's like that Yuki now, like at this point in his character arc, has realized that even though his trauma is the result of others' actions, um, at the end of the day, he's the one who's responsible for taking care of himself. Um, But in contrast, the only thing Akito ever does is blame others. I mean, Akito even blames Hatsuri for what happened, even though Akito was the one who flipped out. Because yeah. nothing is ever Akito's fault. It's always someone else's fault. Um, and other people are responsible for Akito's actions. Mm-hmm. And I think just the whole thing of, like, Yuki being able to, like, learn and grow without Akito is what sends them over the edge. Because Akito is the one who let him leave the estate in hopes that it would drive him back out of desperation. But what it actually did was give Yuki the tools to start living a fulfilling life without Akito. Um, and, um, Akito has a very deep fear of abandonment, and so this is not something that Akito is ready to hear from him. Yeah, I think my notes on this scene were definitely, like, most of them were about basically that, where 
Akito is initially very smug because this is mm. like Yuki yeah. is finally like what Akito thinks has happened is Yuki's finally learned his lesson. He's finally come crawling back to Akito's side. Um like and now Akito will have him properly under his thumb again. Mm-hmm. Uh but he now sees that Yuki has is further away despite being physically present is further away and harder to influence and control than ever before um right which is yeah what sends akito spiraling yeah uh um i didn't i i can't remember if this was in the manga or not um but there's a brief shot of kareno um and i didn't like it it felt too it's it's meant to be foreshadowing, but I felt it was too heavy-handed. I feel like it's too obvious what it's implying. But yeah. I don't know. I'm not an anime only. Um, I did. I really liked the shot of um, Yuki being like, I'm never returning to your side. And like the baby Akito framed by the doors. It was like mm-hmm. both like a powerful moment for Yuki realizing that like he's in this, like he's not going back. He's like free. And also, it's just, it was, like, creepy, and I really liked that. Like, the expression was, like, unnerving, and, like, I like, the doors, you know, the doors. Uh, the doors. The doors. Um, I made the same note. I really like that shot a lot, too. But I want to go back, because the scene's not over. Okay. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, because then Akito hits him with the carafe. Right. The, the <laughs> <laughs> we, we sure glossed, I, or I sure glossed over that. <laughs> yeah. So Akito flips out because they realize that um, Yuki is now out of their grasp and it's their own fault um, and they can't fucking deal with that. And they just, violence has been something that they rely on um, as a tool for control. And so I think like in this moment, it's just very instinctual. Like I have to do something. I'm going to fucking smack him in the face with a carafe um, and shatter it on him. Um, which is one of my favorite shots of the manga, and I really fucking hated the way it was adapted. Mm-hmm. I thought there was way too much movement, um, and also, like, a weird whooshy sound effect, um, when I think it, sh- sh- what it should have been was Shigure and- this is how I would have directed it anyway. <laughs> Shigure and Hattori walking in, they hear the glass shattering, we still see the still shot of everyone reacting to it. Which is why I think it was so weird was because, like, we had a still shot of them re- of the others reacting to it, but then a shot with a lot of movement as if it's still happening. But I would have just preferred if it was just Akito standing over Yuki with the shattered carafe. Like, everything's already on the floor already. Yeah. Um, I think it would have been more effective than, like, mm-hmm. the, like, mid-motion, like, shattering. Like, I really did not like it. I thought it was, like, way too try-hard. Yeah. I, it wasn't, like... Yeah, I agree. It wasn't punchy enough, and it also moved on really quickly. Like, I didn't feel like we had enough time to really sit with, like, how violent Akito is, and how, on, like, yeah, on, like, a on a seeming, like, hairpin, like, they will do something extreme, like, very extreme. Like, we, we at this point know that, like, I mean, they blinded Hattori, they pushed Rin out a fucking window, like, but I feel like it, I remember reading it and it being pretty, like, jarring, and I feel like it was just, like, I I mean, I glossed over it, I guess, when I was reading through, when I was talking about this scene, because it didn't quite 
feel as punchy as I think it should have been. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, it definitely should have been, like, a much bigger moment. That's another, like, issue I have with Ibata in general is that I feel like he doesn't let the audience, like, sit in moments long enough. And this was a moment that we should have been sitting in for a while in silence to process what happened because Yuki has to process what happened because that is an extremely violent thing that just happened to him and he's disoriented because he just had something shattered over his head and he's bleeding. And there's probably, I don't know what was in the crap, but whatever it is dripping down his face um and yeah like it was very 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 sudden yeah and also like for for on like akito's side like i think this is like one of akito's biggest character moments in that it's kind of first of all it's the first time we see them being violent in the present not in a flashback um yeah but in that like it's now at this point like a desperate grab at control and this is where for akito things start really falling apart and it also it doesn't work super well i think is also like no it has the opposite effect that they intended it just pushes yuki away more which is why i think like there's like they stop screaming like yeah like they start screaming to apologize and stuff and yuki's just like sorry and yeah. then they go dead and they just leave. Yeah. Like you can see like that like outbreak like outburst just like abruptly stops and they just like stop like struggling in people's arms to attack Yuki further and mm-hmm. just are like, "Oh, I this didn't work." Right. They're uh, like really upset. They have to They leave. shut down. Yeah. Um also I want to say I fucking love Akito's voice actor so much. Her name is Maya Sakamoto and she's a queen. Um the way she was screaming. I love her. Also, she yeah. plays Haruhi Fujioka. <laughs> Queen. Yeah, so then we get the shot of child Akito through the door where Yuki is like, I'm never coming back, bitch. Sayonara. <laughs> That's what he says. Sayonara. Uh, <laughs> yeah, really good. I really liked that. That was pretty chilling. For like, Yeah. And I liked it. Um, yeah, I liked it a lot. It felt good. It, it let you sit with it. Um, yeah. Yeah, it did. And also, like, it felt good just as a nice, like, bookend to, like, Yuki's storyline this season. Mm-hmm. About how he doesn't feel anymore that he belongs to Akito. Like, he knows that, like, his life is his own and he's the one who gets to control it, not Akito. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, this is definitely, yeah, it's an episode... I feel like dedicated to Yuki completing the hero's journey or whatever the fuck, where it's a little out of order, but it's him in the first half, like, returning with a gift. I'm sorry, I had to take, like, stupid English classes and stuff. But it's, like, him kind of, like, he's learned, taking everything he's learned this season and, like, the past season and using it to, like, help someone he sees himself in. And then also him then later on like going around and sort of like making peace with um what's with like the people that have hurt him where it's he's like he's like forgiving them but it's also like I think it's less like he says it himself like it's like it's not really like I forgive you it's just that like I'm not gonna hold on to this blame anymore because it's holding me back from just trying to focus on living the best life I can yeah um, so it's he's he's like making the rounds you know like akito uh i forgive you 
just because I don't want to have to think about you. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. And then, yeah, we get this scene with Hattori where Yuki's yeah. like, hey, sorry that you had to feel like shit for doing a shitty thing to me. That's rough. And Hattori's like, you don't have to apologize for that. And Yuki's like, fair enough. <laughs> and Hattori's like, you're a good kid. And Yuki's like, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that scene very much did make me cry both times I watched it. <laughs> so, just so you know. Um, um, it was just so, like... I think it's it's very big of him to forgive Hattori for this. Because I think, like... I think a lot of people would have a grudge about it for their whole lives. And I think they would be right. Um, yeah. I don't know if I would have... I don't know if I could, like, get over that. I know. Um, yeah, I know. I mean, that was, like, an insanely traumatic... One of the most traumatic events of his life. Yeah. But, yeah, I think he... Like, he can see that Hattori, despite being kind of shitty and complicit in a lot of the terrible things that have happened to him is also not someone that holds him any ill and is Mm -hmm. just another kind of victim of this cult that needs to move on so yeah yeah yuki's got a lot of emotional maturity for a fucking 16 year old i Um, agree um i also think i really like the way that they like animated hatsuri's facial expressions here because i think like I think this is probably very healing for for Hatsuri to hear, because I'm sure... I mean, he said it earlier. He feels guilty over it. Yeah, um, as he should, but, like, still rough. Right. Yeah, and, like, just him, like, ruffling Yuki's hair and, like, showing him affection, I think. It, it was a very sweet scene, and, like, I like Yuki and Hatsuri's relationship. Yeah. They're... I feel like he was, like... It was almost kind of more of a brother for him than Ayame was, just because he was there. Yeah. Like, was he great? No, but he at least, like, was sort of doing the best yeah. he could. And with... and he also, like, like is very much, like, he is concerned about Yuki's well-being. And he checks up yeah. on him, like, not just in the capacity of a doctor, but as someone who's known Yuki his entire life. Yeah. And you do see, he, like, shows up when... I think you saw this more earlier when Yuki was, like, more sickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, his sickliness has mostly, like, left... Uh, at this point in the story, we saw a little bit with, like, the coughing during, like, the parent-teacher conference episode, mm-hmm. but for the most part, he's healthier, and he's grown out of his asthma. That is a thing. You can grow out of asthma, but also, I think, yeah, trauma and physical illness is pretty tied up uh, yeah. for him. And Oh, it definitely is. So, but we did see it more when he was frailer, where Hattori would show up and be like, Yuki is sick again. Hello. Checking up. Yeah. But yeah. he's a good... He's trying his best. And he he does... He does care for Yuki. He does. Hattori's a good guy. He's a good guy who is trapped in an impossible situation that he's just very resigned to. Yeah. It's hard to blame him too much for, right. like... What he's dealing with. Because, yeah. It's... And he, also, he's, like pretty young uh yeah he's like 27 or 28 i mean the same age as shigure and i yeah sometimes it's like it's weird watching fruits basket now as like a 21 year old compared to like watching it when i was 
10 uh is like realizing like how young the adults are and that they're just like in their kind of late mid-20s just like and i'm like damn i know lots of people that age and they are not super like well-adjusted full mature adults like is anyone yeah. really an adult in their 20s sort of maybe depends but mostly not Oh. Next season, I will be going off about how Akito's character arc is just so about being in your mid twenties. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah. Yuki's so kind. It, I I like that this is like Hachiri tells Yuki he is kind, and it's Yuki doesn't argue with him. Mm, yeah, because uh, I think. Yuki has been struggling to accept that he's a good person uh, mm-hmm. after be like, because he was consistently told he brings misery into the lives of others by virtue of his existence his entire life, and then yeah. felt disingenuous when people liked him. And he's like, it's just because I'm nice. It's just because I want something from them. Like, no one actually, I'm, I'm bad deep down. Deep down, there's something wrong with me. Uh, but now I think he's slowly starting to come to terms with the fact that, like, Maybe he is a kind person, which he is. He's a very sweet boy. Um, also a bitch, but like a sweet <laughs> duality. Duality of man. Um, yeah, so then we get a really good Shigure moment where he is like chafing at Haru, asking him why he's not the one comforting Akito. And mm-hmm. he's like, um, actually, I'm a... Not my job right now. Actually, um, maybe if Akito had paid attention to me instead of Yuki <laughs> and Kareno, I would go comfort them. But mm, not my. Sounds problem. like it's not my job. <laughs> and you, <laughs> I like that Haru was like, "LOL, you are pissed." Yeah, he's like, "I'm always in the mood, Haru." And Haru's like, "I'm gonna go see my girlfriend. Bye." <laughs> No, I am. Um, I wrote those lines down. Yeah, because what he says is, um, "You're so moody, Sensei," and he says, "Yeah, I'm always in the mood." Which, um, is that a double entendre in Japanese? Question mark because it is in English. <laughs> yeah, I like, like I don't think know. It's a double entendre because I think that would be very in character. Like, oh, extremely. Sounds... Yeah, but uh... not Shigeru making a sex joke about Akito. <laughs> <laughs> Taharu. He's like worn thin, man. Uh. I do think it's funny that Haru is just, like, can really easily tell Shigure is fucking, like, pissed. Yeah. Um, And Haru's so- I love- Haru's just, like, deadpan, uh, just like, alright, see ya, man. (laughs) Yeah, you go be salty in the main house, I'm- I'm It's like, okay. (laughs) This is also- this is also not my problem. I- I think it's- I also think it's nice that, like, I think once upon a time, like, uh, we did definitely see this moment where Yuki is, like, Yuki and Haru had this moment where Haru is, like, okay, taking care of Yuki isn't my job, and, like, Yuki told him, like, you know, you're allowed to have your own problems, Haru, and Haru was, like, damn, maybe I do have my own problems. (laughs) Damn, you right. (laughs) And, And now he's, like, Yuki just got a bottle smashed over his head, and Haru is, like, Seems like Yuki's fine. I'm gonna yeah. take advantage of this commotion to go see if I can patch things up with Rin. Yeah. Uh, which is nice. Yeah. 
Because um, Yuki was basically fine. Yeah, no, he was fine. He was with Hatsuri and Aime. He's, like, bandaged up a little bit. But I think it's, like, the fact that he got a fucking bottle smashed on his head and he's not, like, really, like, triggered. Like, catatonic, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, damn. This boy has built up some emotional resilience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, because if that had happened a year ago, it would have sent him spiraling. Absolutely. Um, I mean, he would have been absolutely terrified. And then we get the translation fuck up. Okay, yeah. So I did write down all of it. So (laughs) Crunchyroll, please change this. I, it, okay. Okay, so the Crunchyroll line is Akito should just teach them a lesson already. The Yen Press manga translation of the line is, oh, Akito, it's high time you realized. And then this was a translation from someone on Twitter. It's at Kaisiki underscore AKM said, it would be better if you realize quickly, slash, it would have been good if you realize quickly. And then Takaya also tweeted about it this morning, and it was, like, something very much along the lines of, it would be better if Akito realized. That's what he's saying. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know why the fuck they translated it as something completely different, and, like, it doesn't make- I, wa- I like, watched it, and I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Why would he say this? Yeah. And it's because he didn't. <laughs> it's because he didn't. So, listeners, yeah. uh, that weird, shady thing Shigure said <laughs> for no apparent reason isn't because he's mysteriously evil, just in a, just feeling a little extra evil right now. He is probably feeling a little extra evil right now, but, like, yeah. he's not, not But what he's to... feeling evil about is, like, he's, he's, like, smug because Akito can't seem to grasp that they are fighting a losing battle at this point that's what he's talking about he's saying like akito you need to realize that um you've lost Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah crunchyroll you fucked up you done fucked up crunchyroll um yeah i wonder what the dub line is gonna be hopefully not a fuck i guess we'll find out in like two months (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) because the dub is so fucking behind yeah and then we get uh, is this like the wish? Th- I all my only note about after the translation fuck up is um. I have actually I have two notes, and this is it, I guess it's Toru's little monologue about change and stuff, which is central theme of Fruits Basket change. Mm-hmm. Um, everything changes. But, everybody changes. You know, exactly. Everything changes. Everything changes. Um, but my notes during the monologue apparently were, why is Rin sleeping on the floor just sitting up? Is, (laughs) she's just, like, propped up in the corner with a blanket Toru probably put on her. Like, I bet she just fell asleep like that, and then Toru was like, I guess I'll put a blanket on her. I don't know why she fell asleep like this, though. Um, and then, I uh, think because she's very, like, on guard. I think, I think that's the reason. Yeah. And then we have, um... Also, I think that writing Watch This Alone on a CD sounds so sus. It sounds so Like, it gross. sounds like Toru gave him porn. It sounds like Toru <laughs> gave him porn. It literally sounds like Toru gave him porn. That would be, a, <laughs> that would be the best plot twist in Fruits Basket if Toru <laughs> gave him porn. Fucking insane. <laughs> oh my god, that'd be so funny. <laughs> <laughs> And then had Momiji deliver it. <laughs> Hello. Um, 
I would be afraid to watch it if I was gonna run out. Yeah, no, I'd be like, did this child just give me porn? Like, I would just, like, <laughs> throw it away. I would, like, burn it. I wish he had. I, I will not actually watch this alone. Actually, I won't. <laughs> child who gave me a CD that said, watch this alone. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my only two notes were Kazuma, king of being the only loving and supportive adult in the Zodiac's lives. I have no idea what I'm referring to, but I'm right. <laughs> um and then yeah i was just saying that i love toru toru good she good yeah floor time for kyoru they do like to chill on the floor together they do like to chill on the floor together yeah japanese people just be sitting on the floor (laughs) yeah they do (laughs) they do be sitting on the floor and you know what they're right it's comfortable they are Uh, yeah, and that's that's about everything I have to say on the episode. Did you want to do a spoiler corner? Oh, right, the fucking spoiler corner. Um, I, like, I mean, I think that, yeah, it was heavy-handed with, like, the Kareno. Yeah. Uh, fucking, oh, right, spoiler corner is here. We said spoiler, whatever. My brain is it's spaghetti. Fine. Anyway, <laughs> um, the whole, like, Kareno scene with, like, Kareno's curse breaking, I felt like was a little too much. Like, I feel like it takes some of the punch away from the reveal, which is, like... Yeah, I agree. I feel like if I we didn't were going, like it. Like, if you were going to foreshadow, I feel like you could have done more with birds and less with that. Because um, I feel like there was a lot of weird bird shit in the manga that got cut out. Oh, um, my God, they cut out all the weird bird shit. I like the weird bird shit. Bring Me back too. the birds. Um... And I like, because it also was like the total red herring where like Akito yeah. always had the little bird with them. Um, and now Akito never has a bird with them. Give Akito their so, bird back. Exactly. <laughs> um, anyway. Just, I would not trust Akito with animals, actually. <laughs> no. Um, but. Yeah, but I did think it was fun. I, I think it's like, uh, aside from not liking that it uh, fucked with the reveal but i do like that it like it shows that like what yuki is saying like it it just like shows that the curse is very much about breaking the cycle of abuse like Mm. it's magic but more than magic it the emotional core is like yuki saying that akito can't control him anymore and that yuki is no longer gonna hold all of this hatred in his heart means that he's free from akito and he's free from the curse Mm. um and that like at this point like you like the curse breaking is like inevitable at this point it's like for yuki it's like even though his curse doesn't break his curse breaks last i think right yeah Um, the very last he's the very last whose curse breaks but i think like this is basically when his curse broke like yeah uh, like emotionally yeah emotionally but not literally not literally so i think yeah yeah right and that's why it's like a really good like that's why this conversation was such a good bookend for his character arc that we've been like going through this whole season because yeah that's what it is it's he has decided that he's not gonna let this drag him down anymore mm-hmm. um, i do think i think it's really funny that the um like uh, someone on your Tumblr, I think mentioned that the animal thing was tacked on later, and this was initially just going to be 
a straight up and down family drama um and not have this magical element which i think is fun that this magical element was conceptualized later because i think so much of what i like about the magic of fruits basket is that it's all extremely grounded in like emotional realities that can exist in real life and that the magic yeah. is just like an ex- an extension of that and like a natural sort of growth from the emotional core of the show because mm-hmm. um, that's that's how i like my magic systems like i care yeah. way less about rules and way more about like how it reflects the story and if it serves to f- like further the um the characters or the uh plot arcs in some way and i think it does that really really well yeah um and i think it makes and like i think the fact that it was added on as a s- afterthought instead of like the idea like what if people turned into animals when they got hugged and it was instead like trauma cult what if they turned into animals <laughs> yeah um, yeah i thought no it was it's good it is it is a, a very very good magical metaphor it's the same reason yeah. i think it's the same reason we both like the magic and the raven cycle it's yeah. a magical metaphor for lots of things yeah um and it's very grounded in yeah an emotional reality so but that's um, about all i got for this episode does make me wonder what is gonna be in the last episode because i have um, no fucking idea what do you think i just be? like we're in spoiler corner so we can say yeah we're in spoiler corner so we can say whatever we want um well okay they did release an episode description. Um, so we know, I know for a fact that Corinna was going to talk to Toru about the CD. Uh-huh. But what exactly he reveals is what I'm unsure about. Um, but it does say that, so the episode description was like, Corinna goes to talk to Toru, and then Corinna has a phone call with Shigure. And I don't remember what the phone call was about, and I don't want to check because I kind of like the episodes to be a surprise. Um, mm-hmm. But I do remember that in that conversation, they refer to Akito as she in the manga. Um, if I get to see Akito's titties on Monday, I'm going to fucking explode. <laughs> <laughs> my life is never going to be the same if I don't have to wait a year. But I don't want to get my hopes up because I just don't know what they're going to reveal. I know they're going to reveal the curse breaking, but I don't know what else. Yeah. Well, that's a wild thing to end the season on. I'm hype. It would be a crazy um, cool it would be a really cool thing to end the season on. Like such a cliffhanger yeah. like that. Um okay. Well, we should end this episode. Take us out, Sophie. Um if you guys haven't voted in our poll yet about uh season one, please do so. I think we got a bunch of votes, but if you haven't, just a reminder that it's on our uh Twitter. Um, and thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Check us out on Twitter at Tumblr at Soma So Good. If there's anything you want to ask us or anything you want to discuss, just hit us up on social media. Thanks and see you next time.